I would invite you to turn to Second uh, Kings chapter seven. Second <clears throat> Kings chapter seven, beginning at verse one, says, "Then Elisha said, "Hear the word of the Lord." Thus says the Lord, tomorrow about this time, a sea of fine flour shall be sold for a shackle and two seahs of barley for a shackle at the gate of Samaria. So an officer on whose hand the king leans answered the man of God and said, look, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, could this thing be? And he said, in fact, you shall see it with your eyes, but you will not eat of it. Now there were four leprous men at the entrance of the gates. And they said to one another, why are we sitting here until we die? If we say we will enter the city, the famine is in the city, and we shall die. If we sit here, we shall die. Now, therefore, come, let us surrender to the army of the Syrians. If they keep us alive, we shall live. If they kill us, we shall only die. And they rose at twilight to go to the camp of the Syrians, and when they came to the outskirts of the camp of the Syrian camp, to their surprise, no one was there, for the Lord had caused the army of the Syrians to hear the noise of chariots and the noise of horses, the noise of a great army. So they said to one another, look, the king of Israel has hired against us, the kings of the Hittites, the kings of the Egyptians to attack us. Therefore, they arose and fled at twilight and left the camp intact, their tents, their horses and their donkeys, and they fled for their lives. And when the lepers came to the outskirts of the camp and went in to one tent and ate and drank and carried from it silver and gold and clothing and went and hid them, and then they came back and entered another tent and carried some from there and went and hid it. And then they said to one another, we are not doing right. This is a day of good news. And we remain silent. If we wait until the morning light, some punishment will come upon us. Now, therefore, come, let us tell the king's household. So they went and called to the gatekeeper of the city and told them, saying, We went to the Syrian camp, and surprisingly, no one was there. Not a human sound, only horses and donkeys, and the tents attacked. And the gatekeepers called out, and they told it in the king's house inside. Let's just commit our time once again to the Lord. Father, once again, we just pause before you. We just thank you for the Lord Jesus. Thank you for the precious time we had this morning remembering him. And Father, we thank you for this little passage. Now we just ask that we would draw a few lessons out uh, that could be applicable to our, our lives, our situations uh, today. Uh, Father, we just, we just pray that you would bless us as we consider a few thoughts in the name of the Lord Jesus. Well, the Bible wasn't just written merely to, to give us a, a history of events of the past. It speaks to our needs, our opportunities in the present. Um, it was just a history book. I don't, I don't uh, suppose we'd be gathered here this morning. Uh, so this, this account of the four lepers outside the walls of ancient Samaria speaks to, to a few situations uh, that we could apply today to our own uh, lives. So let's just have a little look, draw a few lessons out for ourselves, uh, something from their experience. So we see the time of this condition was war. War is a terribly devastating uh, state. It, it brings hunger, suffering, uh, death, 
Um, I mean, it's, it's always been in, in our world, uh, maybe not in our immediate vicinity, but certainly around the world, it's, it's a horrible thing. And so if we were to go back in uh, chapter 6 of 2 Kings, we see, we'd see that Ben-Hadad, the king of Syria, had besieged the city of Samaria. Now, Ben-Hadad is a title rather than a proper name, and, and this, this title, Ben-Hadad, means son of, a, of the false god. Who would want a title like that? Uh, unless a Satanist, maybe. Uh, you think about that. Would you want that for your handle? I don't think so. Uh, but, you know, the, the interesting thing is men today still give themselves, they take titles for themselves that they don't have a right to take. We're not getting into all that this morning, but you think about it, I'm sure you don't have to think too far uh, to, to make some parallels there. The name uh, Samaria means Watch Mountain. So the, the city of Samaria was in the region of northern Palestine, and it was associated with the northern kingdom of the ten tribes of Israel when they had split after the death of Solomon during the reign of his son Rehoboam, and they were ruled by Jeroboam. And so it sort of gives some context if you're familiar with those, those passages. And um, it was the capital city of the northern kingdom, uh, and it was located about uh, 30 miles north of Jerusalem and six miles northwest of Shechem. And so it's an interesting city. It, it, uh, Samaria stood uh, high on um, a hill, about 300 feet uh, high, and uh, it had mountains on all three sides. Try and picture this, like try and think of how would I attack a city like this? Uh, it, it boasted a great view looking uh, west, looking over a broad valley, uh, 23 miles down towards the sea. So it would not have been an easy city to besiege. It wouldn't have been easy to take. Um, starving them probably would be the best option. Um, so the first parallel really for us is our enemy, the enemy of our souls, the devil, old Lucifer. Uh, you know, he, he tries to starve us. Uh, you know, he tries to, tries to get us uh, hungry for, for things that we shouldn't be taking part in, to get us away from our stronghold. You know, uh, part of that is keeping us from meetings. Uh, I talked to a couple of guys, uh, young lads, uh, last week in, in Bancroft, and they were, you know, they say they're too busy for uh, for going to, to too many meetings. They have to pick and choose because they have things to do. Well, I said, so you, you have a choice to make, don't you? You can choose to be at the meeting or you can choose to go racing your bikes. Uh, they're, they're motorcycle racers. And uh, they didn't like that, but I said, you know what? I don't make the choice. You make the choice. I'm not criticizing you for it, but don't stand there and lie to my face and tell me that you don't have time. You do have time. You need to make a choice. And so the devil tries to get us looking at things that we, we think we need. Uh, you know, he diverts us from, we don't have time to, to read the scriptures. I probably said this before years ago and soon I ran the youth group. So many of them told me they didn't have time to read the Bible. I said, well, you know what? You sit on the can every day for probably at least five minutes, some of you more. And God knows you need to sit on the can because he made you. He knows what you have to do in there. So you read your Bible there. You're sitting there anyways, not doing anything. Well, sort of not doing anything. So you read a few verses, read a chapter, read the daily bread. You know, we can't say we don't have time. The devil will get us thinking that, though. You know, he tries to stall us from getting together with other believers. You know, we just, we need to remember all that we need is in Christ, our heavenly manna. Well, so we, 
we have this picture in our mind that the city is surrounded. Uh, Samaria's allies have not responded to their request for help. Uh, food is rationed, water is limited. The, the, the famine is so severe. I mean, we can get some details back in chapter. We're not going to uh, go back for too much, but you can check this out on your own. Uh, the, the famine was so severe. We see back in chapter 6, verse 25, a donkey's head is sold for 80 shekels of silver, about 32 ounces, $840 about in our money today. So if you like donkey head soup, for $840, I don't know how far that would go. It depends how big your family is, and I guess it depends how big the donkey's head is. Uh, but that's disgusting. Uh, but when you get to the point of eating it, you got to know it's pretty rough. And half a pint or eight ounces, one cup of dove's dung sold for five shekels, $61. <clears throat> now, dove's dung, just want to confirm this. Uh, it's part of a, a flowering plant. About It grows about 12 inches high. It was in Palestine at that, uh, that time. And the, the, the flower portion of the plant was white with a uh, uh, shape, and the flower was shaped like a star. And it had a pod or a bulb that grew below the, on the stalk. The common name for it was bird's milk or bird's dung. Uh, that was given to the, 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 the pod. The pod would be removed. It had to be roasted or boiled before it could be eaten. And, um, you know, today the plant is known as the Star of Bethlehem. So originally translated dove's dung is actually seed pods. So this seems to be kind of useless information, but it is nice to know they weren't eating bird manure. Because that's what I thought for the first 15 years or so that I read that. I thought, man, that's what a time. I don't know. It'd be tough not just to take the sword, you know. Um, anyhow. So we don't have to worry about that part of it. So Elisha had told the king back in chapter 6 and verse 33 that to, to wait on the Lord for deliverance. And they, the, you know, But the king of Samaria believed the situation was beyond hope. Uh, the only option left was to surrender. And so we see the king was distraught. Uh, the elders were rebelling against God. Uh, the leadership were not waiting on God. And that's a, that's a bad situation anywhere. Uh, people were eating their children, we see in, in chapter 6 and verse 29. So this had, this had gone way beyond donkey's head soup. This was downright horrible, horrible conditions. Um, what we see in their desperation, uh, you know, Elisha tried to, to minister hope to them in, in, in uh, the, the first verse that we read in chapter 7, verse 1. Wait on the Lord. You know, uh, there's another little lesson here, maybe not for everybody, but for a lot of people, because you, you can look at leadership as, as taking a lot of different roles. And like I would, you know, what Mike was uh, saying, inviting a lot of people to be involved in leadership uh, of the youth group, the two different youth groups and everything and Sunday schools and all these things. So this, this is pretty applicable to a lot of people. I think people in leadership should never give up. We, we have to hold the banner of hope in Christ high. Um, there's so much, uh, so much to do with leadership. Uh, so much, I mean, let's face it, something goes wrong with the first people to get thrown under the bus. Um, Moses, yeah, what did you bring us out in the desert for? You, you bring us out here to starve us, to, to, to have us perish in the desert? Yeah. Oh, that we had the leeks and the, the flesh pots of Egypt, you know, people are people. Uh, we haven't changed much over all these years. You know, 
leadership can make other mistakes. An example in Second Samuel, I, I was thinking of David, you know, Second Samuel 18 on into chapter 19. You know, when David got the news of his son Absalom that he was killed. Absalom was a just a long, frizzy-haired little rat. He was trying to kill his father. He was trying to take his father's kingdom. He wasn't a good guy. He, you know, he was, he was a terrible guy, and the people loved the king. And so they were rejoicing when Absalom was killed. And David mourned so vehemently, so, so deeply, that the people hung their head and, and went away in shame. And while, uh, you know, Joab confronts King David, and he says, you better encourage the people or you're not going to have a kingdom left. So both these mistakes can be made on both sides, whether whether the followers or the leaders. We need to be careful. <clears throat> we need to remember how our opinions, our attitudes affect other people a lot deeper than what we think. You might be sitting there and think, oh, nobody respects me enough to listen to my opinion. Don't kid yourself. Somebody, somebody hangs on your every word. And I don't mean to put the emphasis on people, but sometimes sometimes we feel at, at, a, at a time in our lives, we feel we need the voice of a person. We look to a person that we, we respect for some reason, and, and your word means a lot. We need to be careful. And here's a crazy thought. When you encourage a leader, you help the whole group. When you discourage a leader, you hurt the whole group. If you have something to say to a leader, no matter what his or her position is, don't do it publicly. That's, that's what insurrectionists and cowards do. You take them aside one-on-one -on -one and have it out. Take, take a witness if you have to, but don't berate them in public. That's a horrible thing to do. Terrible. It shouldn't be done. Well, Elisha says in, in the first, first verse, Seven quarts, one and three-quarter gallons of fine flour will be sold for a shekel, $12. I mean, I think, you know, my calculations could be a little off, but that's what I figured out. Uh, Fourteen quarts or three and a half gallons of barley will be sold for, for, for $12. You know, and the captain, the right-hand man of the king, he, he says, you know what, I wonder if God would make, make windows in heaven. Could this thing possibly happen? How many times do we say, oh, I, I think that person's beyond help. I don't think this is possible. Just a couple of years ago, our boys, well, Sue and I never mentioned God to me. Don't talk about them. Don't pray for them. Just about them. And of course, we cried before the Lord for the last two years. But that, this thing happened. It can't. There's nothing that God can't do that He can't bring about. Don't we doubt, though? It's our sin nature. Elisha replies, You know what? You're going to see it with your eyes, but you're not going to eat of it. If we were to go farther in chapter, Seven, when the prophecy of the food came true, the, the captain, this same man, was put in charge of the traffic at the gate and to keep order. <laughs> Didn't do a very good job. He was trampled to death by the jubilant throng. You don't get between food and hungry people. <laughs> Boy, I tell you, 
my my mom was a great cook. She was a, a Polish lady, and uh, one thing we never were short of was food. Lacked a lot, but never food. But don't ever get between a bunch of hungry little McLaughlin boys because you get run over. There must have been a pile of them in this crowd. This this guy didn't get to, of course, the prophecy came true. There's an important lesson in this, too. You know, the man died according to the word of the Lord because of a lack of belief. And I'm not saying if you don't believe God, you're going to lose your life. But there is a lesson. There's an application. And you take it for yourself, what, it, what you feel like it, you can apply to yourself. But unbelief robs its victims of blessing and rewards with death. I don't know how God's going to accomplish it, but I know he's going to bring it about, whatever it is. It might not be what I want. You see, I've got this construct in my mind of, of what I'd like to see life from now to the end. And not even picking when the end could be, because we don't know. But, but you know, I, I have an idea of what I'd like to see, but it's, it's, it's never really worked out the way I've planned. But I find myself thanking God for the way he does it. We, we need to be careful to just believe God. You know, in John 3 and 3, Jesus said, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. We just need to believe. We just need to take him at his word. You know, I had a young man tell me that that he, he just wanted to be a Christian, not one of them born again kind of freaks like me. And I said, well, I'm not sure if that's flattery or what. Like, so... I am born again. I didn't think I was a freak, but okay, if that's how I represent. Uh, but it doesn't matter. That's the truth of it. it you know, we, we're born spiritually dead. We need to be born again. The truth is, if you aren't, you're not going to make it to heaven. And that's the that's the truth of it. That needs to be addressed. We need to receive Jesus Christ. You know, as we read in Acts chapter 20, we need to have repentance toward God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ to be saved. So we see outside the, the city walls these four leprous men who couldn't enter the city because of their disease. Uh, boy, this, this is a tough thing, isn't it? Leprosy is, is terribly contagious, of course. It's incurable, uh, particularly in that day. There, there's some help today, but, but not a lot. Um, the only cure was a miracle. And, and those who suffered from it were in isolation, and they were ostracized from society. They w- weren't allowed to, to go near their family. Well, I, I can't imagine having young children in that day and being a leper. I, every night I would tuck my kids into bed, all four of them, and sing and pray with them. I can't imagine not doing that. Wouldn't that just break your heart? You know, these, these poor guys had a tough goal. And, of course, leprosy is used as a picture of sin in the Bible. We, you know, we were separated from God and, uh, until we recognize our condition, and we, we just received the cure, the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, of course, uh, the Lord Jesus says in John 14 and 6, uh, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Um, I had a, had a communication. I have um, on 17 stations in, in Africa, and it, it, it uh, goes out in Europe as well. And um, I had a, a communication from a gentleman in um, Paraguay, and he said he wanted to become a minister of religion. I could help him with that. And so we conversing back and forth. I don't know what a minister of religion is. I need to get him to explain that to me. And, and uh, he, uh, he explained to somebody who makes a living by uh, religion. 
I still don't know what that means. Anyways, he told me, he said, I only have one problem with something you, you've said time and time again. He listens to my program every week. He says, you keep saying that I'm a sinner and that I need to be sorry for that. He said, I'm not sorry for any sin I've ever done, and I'm not sorry for the sin I'm doing now. I just want to be a minister of religion. I said, I think there's a disconnect somewhere here. I sent him a huge, long email, and I typed slow, so it took me a long time to do it, and I, I, I apologized to him that I had no help for him. Outside of the Lord Jesus Christ, you are absolutely hopeless. You'll be looking for donkey head soup with these guys in Samaria because you've got no hope outside of Christ. And that's the truth of it. Thus ended our communications. And so, uh, but, but we see these, these wonderful things said of the believer. Ephesians 2 and 13 says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once were afar off are now brought near by the blood of Christ. The, the rebirth, of course, is a miracle in itself. So imagine a leper trying to, to hide his disease, you know, maybe to get in the city. After a while, there'd be no hiding it. It would, it would get so extensive. Uh, it would, and it's so obvious that maybe parts of the body would start to fall off. It's, it's disgusting. It's a picture of sin. After a while, there's no hiding sin. It's absolutely disgusting. We're living in it today. Our society is 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 wracked in sin. It's our society is disgusting. What's going on? But we need to represent the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to be what we are. For these guys to surrender to the enemy, it held the possibility of well, more than a possibility of, of immediate death. They they said to each other in verse three, "What what what are we going to sit here till we die for?" You know, they they came to this conclusion. They had to take a chance. Their only hope for survival is to throw themselves at the mercy of the Syrians. Wow, that's tough. That's like saying, I, my only hope for survival is I'm, I'm going to throw myself on the mercy of Satan. and see if he gives me a nice spot to work in, in Hades. Yeah, I know. You're sitting there saying, Randy, don't talk so stupid. Well, that's exactly right. So if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, what do you think you're going to do? You're not going to make a deal with the devil. These guys were in trouble. You know, they rationalized. They, they basically were going, I, I get the sense from their, their uh, discussion that they, they felt they were going to their deaths. So many people say, God can't forgive me. I remember when my dad years ago, he's, he's gone now, but remember he, he said that. He said, Do you know what? God can't forgive me for what I did to my wife and kids. I said that he can and he will if you repent and receive the Lord Jesus Christ. People need to understand God's forgiveness isn't limited to your understanding of it. I still don't understand it. And I was saved, you know, March 2nd, 1978. I know you're doing the years and say, wow, you're really immature for that many years. Yeah. Oh, well, that's it. That's what you get. <clears throat> we need to come. So they rose at twilight. They go to the camp of the Syrians to, to the outskirts, to their surprise. Let's just touch on a few things that they they find. They find the lepers make a, del a delightful discovery, really, in the next few verses and uh, uh, see that God had intervened in, in such a miraculous way. God caused the, the Syrians to 
to hear a great noise of, of a great army, horses and chariots, and, and they fled in fear, leaving everything behind. I, I don't understand. See, there's so much we don't understand. I don't understand. Why didn't you get on a horse and ride away or a donkey? A donkey would be faster than a man. Like, if I ran away, they could still catch me. If I'm on a horse, I got a chance to survive. This doesn't make sense to me. These, they must have sent the, the, the lesser capable thinking people to the war. They kept all the bright ones at home. Anyhow, the Lord, the Lord had it work out this way. But, you know, the picture here for us, I think the parallel would be that, that mankind is surrounded by an enemy. You know, uh, the forces of evil, uh, the devil and his followers. And, of course, Christ has revealed to us his, his love and mercy through Jesus Christ. You know, Christ bore the penalty of our sins. We heard that earlier. We've been singing about it. Uh, in our place, that, that verse mentioned earlier in the Lord's Supper, I, I love that verse, 2 Corinthians 5 and 21, that uh, he, God, has made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. That, the word might in that verse is in the subjunctive mood, not to get crazy about stuff, but the subjunctive mood tells us that's, that's, that's the mood of possibility and potentiality in the Greek. That means it may or may not happen. So... It's up to you. It's funny how people don't want to admit they're wrong. Like Carol, I'm Sue and I are only married 45 years, but I'm married long enough to know how to say I'm wrong, honey. You know, we have to admit we're wrong sometimes, Carol. And uh, for peace, right? The Lord Jesus said, in John 10 and 10, I've come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. That word might is also in the subjunctive mood. The price has been paid. It may or may not happen. The, the hinge point is, do I see myself as a hell-deserving sinner? Do I see myself as, as a sinner needing a savior? If I don't, I'm in trouble. The Lord yearns to to give us this abundant life. Second thing, uh, the lepers made a, a true confession in verse 9. I, I like these guys for, for the rationale here. Um, they said to each other, you know what? We're not doing right. This is a day of good news, and we're keeping it to ourselves. Oh, boy, this is so many implications for us. Notice, that, I mean, we know what they were doing just a verse, a verse before that. They were collecting, gathering eating, drinking, getting silver, gold, clothing, whatever they could get their, their, their hands on and, and hiding it, uh, making themselves a, a retirement fund, if you will. Uh, <clears throat> this is kind of a rebuke to Christians today, I think. You know, um, maybe, maybe we just keep quiet because of our indifference. Uh, maybe it's a lack of concern. Uh, maybe it's a fear of reprisal. You know, there's a lot of different reasons, and this is not a criticism because uh, I, I could give you so many examples from my own failures, you know. Um, but the, the truth is, knowledge of good news puts the obligation on the recipient to share it. We should have the attitude that my youngest son, who's just just come back, but years ago, when, when they were young, we used to do study Bible studies and all that, like a lot of people do with their kids, and and they, a couple of the older ones, they like to uh, hand out gospel tracts at the mall. So Eric and I, and uh, Amy, I think it was, out at the mall, uh, West End Mall, which is gone now. 
big West End mall in Renfrew. I think it took me 20 minutes to flatten it. Um, we were handing out gospel tracts one night, and Eric was maybe 60 or 80 feet away from me and uh, offered this, this man a, a, a gospel tract, and the guy started cursing at him and shouting at him. And I made my way over there quickly as uh, he threatened to slap him. Like he said, you're, and we said a bunch of, I won't get into the ad, adjectives and adverbs and stuff, but uh, he said a bunch of things about your stupid father doesn't have enough sense not to have you peddling religion. Like, anyway, so I, I, I got there, got between Eric and this guy, and I, I apologized for, for having slowed down his progress to go get a Swedabix or whatever he was up to. And Eric was almost in shock. He was just a little guy, big bulgy eyes, and he still had the track up and the guy's gone. And I looked at him and I said, well, what do you do? He says, who wouldn't want the gospel? And I thought that that night I, I could have wept because of my own cold heart. Who wouldn't want the gospel? He just figured everybody would want it. <laughs> everybody ought to want it. It ought to be our attitude. The lepers remembered uh, the imprisoned and desperate people inside the city of Samaria. Now, think about this for a second. You know, they recognize that they, they must share the good news uh, of, that they had discovered. How were they treated previously to this? Outside the gate, outside the wall of protection, outside the wall of socializing. I understand they had leprosy, but they were starving. Everybody else got a little something, but might as well let them starve to death because they're lepers. You know, they were poorly treated, really. But came forward with the good news. I really like these four guys, no matter how they were offended. And that, that's the very thing that I was able to tell my dad. I wasn't living back then when the abuse happened. I was living now on the day of grace. I'm standing on the ground of grace, bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. I have no, I harbor no ill. And because of hearing those things, he was able to come to Christ. Ezekiel chapter 33, <clears throat> verse 6, it says, If the watchman doesn't blow the trumpet and someone has taken the watchman, will be held responsible. You know, to be silent in a day of good news is unnatural. It's, it's inhumane. Really, <clears throat> to be silent in a day of good news is a contradict, uh, to contradict everything we say we believe as Christians. And one thing is for sure, and this is a personal thing, so I'm not pointing the finger. They're all pointing at me. You, you talk to yourself about this. If I withhold the good news, I will not respect myself. Everything that I have learned, which may be not a lot, but Everything I've learned in Christ or in, 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 in my life, walking with Christ, uh, I, I feel like I'm obligated when I'm called on to share it. And if I don't, I can't respect myself. How could I? To see another man or woman suffer, if I could bring some relief. Third thing, the lepers speak of certain retribution. In verse 9, they said to one another, what are we doing? You know, if we wait until morning... Uh, the morning light, some punishment will come upon us. And so let's go tell the king's household. You know, they, they said the wisest thing to do was to announce the good news immediately. Absolutely. <laughs> Don't wait. And you know what? So, so if people call you dirty names or call you names or laugh at you or spit on you or whatever, that sticks and stones. Like, who cares? What's it going to do to you? Seriously. 
they used to make fun of me. They called me Holy Joe. My name isn't even Joe. Uh, at uh, at work, you know, and I'd, I'd give thanks for my lunch, and and they knew it had to be true because my lunch wasn't that great. And here I was giving thanks for it. And, um, you know, they, they'd say all kinds of things, but, but it mattered. Two guys ended up coming to Christ after all those years. Uh, because on one one guy, uh, John's dad will tell you that he seen me he seen me get so abused at work. I didn't see it as abuse. I I, I took it as encouragement. You know, at least they weren't bothering somebody else, and I had big shoulders. So they decide the wisest thing to do is to share the good news. You know, for us today, maybe maybe things like uh, you know we'll be held accountable to God if we remain silent in a day of good news, and and. I don't mean to guilt trip anybody, but seriously, think about this for yourself. Be tough with yourself. Most times, nobody will be harder on yourself than you. So give yourself a good going over. You know, ask yourself a few questions. If we don't share the good news, we'll miss the joy of being a soul reaper for the glory of God. I got to say, uh, we, we have these... Um, these little problems in, in uh, life, they say, oh, I can't. I, I never was a counselor at camp because, and I, Sue was the only one until this first year I've ever said to anybody in my region years ago. She's the only one that knew I couldn't counsel at boys camp because I wasn't as smart as the kids. I really felt that. <clears throat> now I know it. But, but that's what held me back. You know, I was, I was asked almost 20 years to... I go to, to do this radio ministry in, in Africa, and it goes into some of Europe. Uh, there's like almost 15 million listening audience every week. And I couldn't do it because I did a pilot, and I listened to it. And I said, I sound like a moron. Like, I hate the sound of my own voice. And Sue says, well, keep quiet once in a while then. But that's a different matter altogether. But, you know, I finally did after I retired, uh, I finally did about 10 years ago, and it's been such a blessing. I get, I get letters to answer all the time. I, I've literally seen hundreds come to faith in Christ over there, and, and certain, certainly a number in this area as well. But, um, and I almost didn't because I hate the sound of my own voice, but since that first pilot, I've never listened to myself again. I was in Timmins one time speaking and, and uh, with Ralph and Tony. And uh, at that time, Tony Martin was in Timmins. And he, he says, oh, we, we do a video. You know, do you want a copy of it so you can critique what you did? I said, Tony, if I look at that, I will never, never speak again. I wouldn't take it. He tried to give it to Sue. I left it on the table at the back of the chapel. I'm not taking it. I can't, I can't take that kind of pressure. You know, so, Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm just one of those people, and maybe it's, maybe it's childish, but that's just the way it is. We almost walk away from opportunity because we feel like we can't. We do lose opportunity. I'm so happy to see so many people involved in Sunday school and the different ministries here. Uh, same as at home. We have people holding, holding back because they don't feel like, oh, I can't song lead. I'm not as good as this guy or that guy, or I'm not going to sing. I can't sing like Kimberly. Kimberly's one of my favorite singers. But that doesn't mean I can't sing because I can't sing as well as her. You know, Brenda kept me on tune this morning in the first meeting. I, uh, you know, you don't have to be anybody but yourself. If we don't share the good news, our life will be impoverished. 
if we remain silent. I just finished telling a guy that, that obedience to God brings blessing. He says, well, what's it going to look like? Well, it's not going to be a million dollars in your bank account. I'm pretty sure that God doesn't work like that. that those are called grandparents. And it might not be a million. It might be just a little bit less. You know, but uh, obedience always brings blessing. You'll recognize it when it happens. You know, in that, that situation in John chapter uh, 13, when the Lord Jesus is doing the, the foot washing with the disciples and, and he goes through it and he says, now, here's the bottom line, guys. He says in verse 17, you, you can know what to do. But the blessedness comes in doing. That seems like a no-brainer, doesn't it? Well, no, not really. We can have all the knowledge we want. But if it doesn't make it to our heart, it's not going to make it to our hands. And if it doesn't make it to our hands, perhaps we are most miserable people. If we don't share the good news, we'll see others continue in their struggle without hope. That's not fun. For us to remain silent, to go to heaven empty-handed, like empty-handed paupers. You know, we sometimes sing this song at home. I think it's in your red book. We got new books now. I'm, I've been confused for, for months. It's a great book, but uh, some of the words are changed. The tunes are changed. I never started a song in any of the meetings I go to anymore because sometimes I do solos. I'll start it, maybe the tune that we use here. I start it somewhere else and nobody else knows it. And so there's Randy singing all by himself. And I often sing on the wrong line. So I'm not completely gone yet. So don't, don't call the custodians. But this song sometimes, it's, it, it troubles me. I hope it bothers you too. Number 566 in your book. Must I go an empty-handed? Must I meet my Savior so? Not one soul with which to greet him. Must I empty-handed go? You know, if we spend years chasing temporal things, position, power, prestige, we'll be singing verse 3. Oh, the years in sinning wasted. Could I but recall them now? I give them to my Savior, to his will. I gladly bow. You know, I've had the privilege to, to sit with a good number of people when they're dying. And you hear a lot of regrets. I think it would be nice not to have that regrets. I would rather have somebody spit in my face for the sake of the gospel than them to say, Randy never told me. There's not a person that I don't care enough about to share the gospel. And listen, I want to clarify something here. Being a part of the process of God's work, and we might not be the Sunday school teacher, we might not be the preacher, we might not be the elder, you might not be the ladies' Bible study leader, but you're praying for them. Sue and I have a, a prayer list, uh, a good prayer list, as, as I'm sure most of us do, uh, and we're a part of people's ministries. There's so much going on. Uh, when we get... I, and, and I can't give you a chapter and verse for this, but I believe when we get home, we're going to be a part where our reward is going to reflect. If you're praying for, for my ministry, 
when you get to heaven, you're a part of the reward of every one of those souls that came to Christ. I have no bigger part than you because I'm not doing it for reward. We do it for our Savior. Our reward is the same. We do it out of love for him. Where would I be without him? Where would they be without us sharing the good news with them? If, if the Lord brings you an opportunity, you do it. So I, I want to be careful that you understand. <clears throat> I would never say there's one thing more important than another in service. It's what God's given you. And every piece, every piece, no matter how small you think it is, is just as important as what men might say the bigger things are. Well, the lepers, finally, the, the, the lepers made a wise decision. They, they uh, said, let's go to the house. They, they, they go to the house, tell the news. And, of course, I would think they, you know, the, the lesson here, you're not always appreciated at first, you know, but when a person gets saved, maybe, you know, I, 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 my brother who witnessed to me for, for a couple of years before I got saved, I threatened, I told him to shut up or I'd punch him out. Like I, I, would, I, I would have pounded him. And there's only one reason that I didn't. I couldn't. He's six years older than me, a lot tougher than me. He was a cop, and he, he could fight better than me. But if I thought I could take him, I would have punched him in the face in a sack when he was witnessing to me. But after, when I, when I was convicted, when I needed to talk about it, I went to him. And I don't think there's anybody I love more now. And every once in a while, and it embarrasses him, every once in a while I say, you know what, Don, thanks. Thanks for being faithful under that barrage of verbal attack. Thanks for praying for me. He could have given up. He could have said, you know what? They used to call me Ram because I was like a little Ram, little fat Ram when I was a kid. I would just run into any situation, any fight at all. Lost most of them, but never backed down. He said, Ram. He said, it's been such a privilege to watch you grow. God's given us uh, these things. You know, you'll be appreciated after. Don't worry about the words now. And even if you don't hear anything later, don't worry about that either. We would be wise to become communicators of the good news of God's love and provision. Perhaps we need to remind ourselves of the woeful condition of those people inside the city of sin. Uh, you know, it's comparable to Samaria, except Samaria was better off. They were only starving to death. People who are dying without Christ are going to be lost forever. What a what a horrible thing to think about. More desperate condition. You know, outside the walls of the city of Jerusalem, the Savior died on a cross to set people free from the guilt and the condemnation of sin. We've been to the cross. We've discovered the forgiveness of God and received eternal life. We have good news for all those who are perishing. Why? Why would I keep it myself? We must not be occupied of those things of lesser importance. We must draw near to the cross to be reminded how great God's love is toward us. We need to visit the empty tomb that we may recall the extravagance of the provision that God has made for our salvation. <clears throat> we must recognize the weight of responsibility and share the good news. We need to repent of our laziness, our disobedience, our indifference, I doubt that I'm the only one in the room that suffered from these things from time to time. This is a day of good news. We must not hold our peace. This could be the only day, our last day. How can we see friends? I golf with guys that are lost. We pray before those of us that, that, that are saved that golf with these guys. We pray before we go out and we wait for opportunity. We don't step into it on our own because 
that would be foolish as well. We pray for opportunity. We love these guys. They are good friends, but they're going to a lost eternity. We must be sure we have the leading of the Holy Spirit. If you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ, we would just implore you, implore you deal with this, this issue now, today. Uh, receive the exhortation from Isaiah 6, uh, 55 and verse 6. It says, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. There's coming a day when the, the, the door to the day of grace is going to be closed. We don't know when this is. You want to talk about this. We're not salesmen. We won't push. Uh, you can call me all kinds of names if you like. I don't care. Uh, that doesn't bother me. Uh, just don't call me a gentleman. I don't like that part. You know, you need to deal with this. Don't put it off for your sake, for God's glory. Uh, speak with someone here or myself if you want my number later. Any of the folks here, Ryan or Newt, any of them have my phone number. Call me any time of day or night. Susie Bear will wake me up and I'll talk to you. I just need a minute to get awake because I'm a little dense in the night. But uh, I will do it. I, I promise you. Uh, sorry, I went over a little bit. Let's just close with that. Father, once again, we just pause in your presence. We thank you for the Lord Jesus. Father, we thank you for this passage. Thank you for the wonderful example of these four lepers. Father, help me to have the mindset of these guys. That, that I help me to refuse to remain silent in a day of good news. And Father, we just pray that you would stir every believer, that every single one of us would realize how important we are work of the gospel, that you have left us here for this purpose, to represent you. Help us to represent well. Father, we pray for any who might be here yet who has not yet received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Oh, Father, shine in their hearts the depth of your love. May they be overcome with the reality of, of the love of the living God. Have your way in our hearts lost and save the life, we pray in the precious name of the Lord Jesus Christ.